I think you can see from the title of my message, it's time to work. The Lord has a way of stirring us up through a variety of things, by His Word, by His Holy Spirit, and even by circumstances and experiences that we go through. But this last week has been one of those stirring up weeks for me. And I believe it's time for us just to lay aside our agendas, our comforts, our ways, and realize we have just a little bit of time to do something for the Lord. Just a little bit of time. And I know some of you may get tired of hearing me repeat this, but sometimes I feel like Jeremiah, not that I'm any great prophet, but he just kept saying the same thing over and over and over, but the people weren't listening to him. And so I will say it again today. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming very soon. Soon and very soon, Jesus is coming. What are you and I going to do with the remaining time and the remaining life that God has given to us? We're not on this earth just to work and make money. Hmm. That didn't even get an amen. Let me try it again. We're not on this earth just to work and make money. We're not here to occupy space. We're not just here to gather together as many toys as we can and see as many movies as we can and eat as many ice cream sundaes as we can and enjoy as much pleasure as we can possibly take in. That's not why God has us here. God has us here to be a witness for Jesus Christ and to impact our generation. Salt and light. That's what we're called to be. And you can't be salt and have any effect on anything if you're just going to stay in the shaker somewhere in the closet. And you can't be light if you're hidden underneath a bushel or underneath the table. You need to get it out so it can shine, so people can see it. Father, I pray that we would hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. In these times, it's for such a time as this, Lord, that you have called us, saved us, and appointed us. We were not born in the time of Peter, James, and John. We were born in the 20th or 21st centuries. And Lord, we are facing unique challenges in our day. Things are happening around us that have never happened before. And God, you are raising up and preparing a people for such a time as this. Help us, Holy Spirit, to hear what you are saying to the church in this hour. And we will give you praise and honor and glory forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to begin with a scripture that has been burning inside of me all week. It's found in Isaiah 60, and we'll read from verse 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, 
and thick, or King James says, gross darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. What we're going to look at this morning is something I believe is very profound, but it's something we need to understand, especially in light of things that are happening around us in our day. Light is getting brighter and darkness is getting darker. Two things are happening simultaneously. The darkness in the world is becoming thick. Actually, I like the King James word, gross. You know, that word isn't as popular as it was some years ago. Ooh, that's gross. Well, this is gross darkness now that's coming. It is very, very strong. The Hebrew word actually implies something like a dark gloom, a dark cloud is coming over the earth. And if you're paying any attention to what's going on around you, it's increasing. Darkness is increasing. And I know many Christians are kind of despairing and they're going, oh my God, the darkness is coming in like a flood. We're all going to be swallowed up. We're all going to be overwhelmed. No. My Bible says light shines into the darkness and overcomes it. Darkness never wins when you put it up against light. The very nature of light is it conquers and dispels darkness. So the darkness is increasing, but so is the light. And the good news for you and me, God knows what's going on. He knows increasing darkness is coming. He says not to worry. Arise and shine to his people. Why? For your light has come and the glory of the Lord is rising upon you. How many of you want God's glory upon your life? I want God's glory. I want something like Brother Joe was sharing earlier this morning. I want that glory, that treasure inside of me to come out now. It's not about me. God doesn't expect you to go shine with your wonderful personality and win the world with your personality. No, he's in you. He just needs to get out now. He wants to shine through you. He wants to manifest himself through you. And it's going to come in unusual ways. And many times, we're not even going to feel anything. But like Brother Joe was sharing, sometimes he's, you know, knocking a couple nails in the wall and praising the Lord or something, and the, the guy there is weeping. Because God is manifesting that treasure and that glory through his life. We had an experience last Saturday down in Florida. We had uh, meetings Friday night, Saturday night, and three different services I had to preach Sunday. But Saturday morning, they had a special meeting for those from the church that felt called the full-time ministry. Now, the church is only about 40 or 50 people. So how many would you expect to come to a meeting like that? Maybe five, ten? We had 30. I mean, these are like David's mighty men. You know, one of them, the Bible says, he went down into a pit on a snowy day and he slew a lion. 
These are just guys that are looking for a demon to cast out. They're looking for a lion to kill. You know, bring it on. I want to do something for Jesus. Mighty men of God. And they introduced me to this one fellow. He's about this tall. He is solid muscle. He looks like an NFL linebacker. And they introduced him to me. They said, oh, this is Brother Amaudi. He just recently got saved two or three weeks ago. We're glad he's on our side now. (laughs) And we just had the most amazing time with this group. Most of them are young men, a few young ladies, but predominantly men that are getting saved and they're on fire for the Lord. So I woke up early Saturday morning with two words in my head, follow me. And I knew that was going to be the theme of the whole service. And I shared my own testimony how God didn't call me to the ministry. He called me to follow him. There's a difference. I wasn't just coming for a job or I didn't even know what ministry meant. I just knew Jesus called me and I wanted to follow him. So we were sharing about that and... I knew that we sown and Leda, the pastor and his wife there, had recorded a song with that very title, Follow Me, in Spanish. So I texted them a few minutes before the service and said, can you please sing that song? They did. And that ended up being the whole theme that morning, Follow Me. Okay. We close the service. We get into the van and we're heading toward a believer's home that has invited us for lunch. So we're driving down the road. And right there in front of us at the stoplight is a white pickup truck and big black letters across the back of the truck, follow me. I mean, this is the way the Lord was showing up and it was supernatural. And when we got to that house, the the brother who was inviting us over, I walked in through the door and I got to be honest with you, I wasn't feeling, you know, lightning bolts coming off my fingertips or anything. And he started crying. As soon as I walked in the house, he started crying. And I was like, what's wrong? <laughs> he says, no, man, I, it's like there's light all around you. I was like, I don't feel anything. But it was God answering my prayer. I've been praying this. And God says, I want my glory to come upon you. I want people to see me through you. If you'll just get out of the way, I'll show up and I will manifest my glory. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness is going to be thick. And notice the second part. It's going to be over the people. Darkness is going to be over the people. It's like a veil over their faces and their eyes. But it contrasts again. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory will remain hidden. Know what it says? His glory will appear over you. How do we know that it's going to be something visible? The next verse. Nations will run away. There's something profound here that we need to really wrap our brain around. People are in darkness. There's growing confusion at every level in the world around us, in the political realm, in the economic realm, in the social realm. Everywhere you look, there's confusion. But inside, people are crying out for light. They want to know where is the right way. And God is going to use you and me in these days 
as that light and people are going to come to us. Now, we need to go out. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. One brother pointed out to me years ago, Jesus never said, come back. (laughs) It was a one-way ticket. Just go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But as we go, people are going to be drawn. Not to you, not to your good looks, not to your cleverness, not to how smart you are. They're going to be drawn to that light that's inside of you, that glory, that treasure that's in you. And we have to really begin to pray, Lord, let that treasure, let that glory be released. Let it be manifested through my life. When I go to work, when I go up and down my neighborhood, let me shine with your glory and let people be drawn to that light. Now, here's where I get the title for today's message. John 9. John states, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. This, of course, is Jesus talking. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. This gross darkness that's increasing, it will eventually bring the world to a place where Christian ministry stops. I don't think you heard that. Christian ministry as we know it will stop. There will come a time where we won't be able to have meetings like this. We won't be able to openly live out our Christian faith the way we are right now. And you know, when we were with this pastor from Lebanon, he's very, very careful. Even when he shares testimony or he even gives his name, he makes sure that they shut off the camera and the recorder because uh, our programs there were being broadcast on the internet. And he says, I don't want anybody to hear this. So he's very, very careful. And right now, we're not used to being like that. But there's a day coming where there won't be the opportunities that we have right now. That's why while it is day, take a vacation. What it says? While it is day, work, work. Do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Let me tell you something. Nations, even like the United States of America, are changing very, very rapidly. I cannot believe the changes I've witnessed in the last 12 to 18 months in America. This is a whole new ball game now. It's a whole new nation. It's a whole new people. It's a whole new culture. And we need to understand the times in which we live. And there are great challenges coming our way. You get an amen for that one either. Oh boy, pastor is really encouraging us today. More challenges. I'll add to that. More persecution is coming. Hallelujah! Right? Well, what do you want me to do? Say, oh, we're not going to have any more persecution. Things are going to get better and better and better and better. That's how it was in Jeremiah's day. All the false prophets were saying that. Jeremiah was telling them the truth. I believe that there are going to be greater and greater challenges coming against the church, but it's going to make us stronger. 
It's going to make us rise up and shine like we have never shined before. We're going to be full of the power of God, and God is going to separate those that are really His and those that aren't. But we need to get busy while we still have some daylight. The darkness is increasing socially, spiritually, economically, politically, you name it. Darkness is on the rise. There is a a veil of blindness and deception that's coming on government leaders, on politicians, on even church leaders. There's a there's a darkness and a deception that is becoming more and more prevalent and it was promised in the scriptures. You've heard me preach this scripture before. 2 Timothy 3, Paul says in the last days, it's going to be like Christmas. Santa Claus will come every day. No. In the last days, there will be perilous times. Terrible times. I didn't make that up. Paul said that's the way it's going to be. But here's the good part of the news. As the world turns in that direction, there is promised a greater glory. My God, that 10-year-old kid singing. That's the same glory God wants to bring upon each one of us. I'm not saying we're all going to be singers like him, but God has plenty of glory to go around. And he says the glory of this latter church is going to be greater than the former. I, You know, I'll be honest with you. I would settle for the glory that they had in the book of Acts, but God says it's going to be better than that. I would settle for being able to do all the miracles Jesus did. Jesus said it's going to be better than that. Greater works than these will you do. Peter's shadow healed the sick. I don't know what the Lord wants to do in these last days, but I believe he wants to display his greatness and his glory. He wants to put on an exhibition of who he is, and he wants people to see him so that in this final day, if they still reject him, they'll be without excuse. They had a chance, they had an opportunity to see who this God is, and if they still reject him, that's between them and the Lord. Paul says, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, you see, there's someone involved in this. It's Satan, the devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. By the way, on Wednesday nights, please join us. We're studying the gospel. And this is a lead-up to something I want to share after that, and that is how to share the gospel. But if we don't know what the good news is, we don't know what to tell people. So we're first equipping ourselves with a knowledge of the good news, salvation, healing, deliverance, the the good news of the kingdom of God, and the hope, the glory, the eternal life that is promised us through the gospel. But that's going to pave the way for us to begin to share about evangelism. Evangelism is how to share the gospel. Now, thank God for Pastor Quasey and Brother Joe. They can do all the evangelism, right? And we'll pray for them. God, give Brother Joe boldness as he preaches to the Saudi prince this week. (laughs) Okay, that's good. That's fine. But God wants you to be an evangelist. I'm no evangelist, Pastor. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. 
Jesus said, if you believe, hands up if you're a believer, if you believe, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say pastors only, evangelists only, apostles only. Every one of us is a preacher. And I'm going to be doing another message sometime in the near future, and the title of it is Preaching with Your Feet. I got your attention now. Bible says, how beautiful in the mountains are the feet of them that come preaching good news. Wouldn't it make more sense if it said the mouth? How beautiful is the mouth of the preacher? But no, it's more about your walk. It's more about what your feet are doing. People are going to listen to your feet. If they see you're walking this thing, you're living this thing, your message will be powerful. All right. Mark this. There will be terrible, perilous times in the last days. I used to get Charisma magazine. I don't anymore, but this article was forwarded to me this week. It appeared in the October 31st issue, just the end of this past month. And the title of the article was Seven Ominous Storms Facing America. And you're going to notice many of the things he's listed here are exactly the things I've been talking about in this church for months. But it's kind of nice to hear it from someone else. And he is predicting seven storms that must now come against this nation because of where we are morally and spiritually. First one, God must bring judgment on a nation that has murdered, legally, in the name of abortion, 53 million babies. 53 million, my friends. The Bible is very clear. God demands blood when blood is shed. And there, there must be a reaping for what we have sown. And you can say, well, I, I never aborted a baby, or I didn't work in an abortion clinic, fine. But we as a nation have allowed this to go on since 1973. And many of us have been silent as it has gone on and on and on. There will be judgment for that. There will be. Secondly, the homosexuals made great inroads in this week's election. Gay marriage is now firmly law in the state of Maryland, where we live. As of January 1, they will be performing gay marriages here in our state. Other states have now joined the ever-lengthening list of states that have openly and fully embraced and endorsed the perverse and alternative lifestyle of homosexuality. God must bring judgment when a whole nation legally and politically embraces that lifestyle. He must. And I remember the words of Billy Graham years ago saying, if God does not judge America for the homosexual sin that is rampant, he must go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, raise up the ruins and apologize to them for what he did. No, no. God's going to make no apologies. He will bring judgment on a nation that embraces with ever-increasing strength and boldness a lifestyle that is so contrary to the Word of God. You've heard me talking about this for months and months and months. The third storm that's coming 
is not just an American economic crisis, it's global. We will be seeing soon nation after nation across Europe collapsing. And you know what they want? They want America to collapse. And it's kind of a let's all go down together mentality. And the the buzzword all week long, if you listened to any news, was fiscal cliff. Anybody heard that word this week? Yeah, we're approaching a fiscal cliff in the United States. Not physical, fiscal. Fiscal means your bank account is so screwed up. (laughs) Your checkbook is so not balanced that you're just about to go under. That's where our nation is. There will be coming a global economic crisis. And I'm afraid many people are totally unprepared. They have no clue what's going on. This was clearly manifested in the election this past week. We have a divided nation like never before. I would go so far as to say we may be more divided than this country was during the Civil War. It's just that we're not openly killing each other yet the way they did in the 1860s. But there is a a sharp line of division, and it's racial, it's social, it's spiritual, it's economic, and we are divided right down the middle. And a house divided against itself cannot stand, cannot stand. We are not any longer the United States of America. We are in many, many ways the divided states of America. And there's a storm coming. We're going to see great unrest, great unrest in our country because of that division. You've heard me talking about this for months. The the coming storm of radical Islam. You think, oh, well, that's over in the Middle East. Oh, really? You don't think radical Islam is trying to make inroads into the U.S. of A. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Drive around some of the cities and see how many mosques have arisen in the last five to ten years and how many are being converted to this religion. We, We need to wake up and understand these storms are coming. Storm number six, an increasing worship of materialism and pleasure. Just seeking pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Money, goods, things, and stuff. And finally, this is the saddest one. It's a weakened church. Now, I'm not talking about us. But the church in general across America has become very anemic. Very anemic. No passion for the Word of God. No passion for prayer. No passion for fasting. And if you're a church that's on fire for God, fasting, praying, pounding the gates of hell, and really doing the work of the Lord, you are an exception. The the model now is to be big and famous and put on a real fancy show on Sunday with lights and smoke and fancy music and everything. I'm sorry, you probably would have left long ago if you came looking for that, because you know we don't have that. (laughs) We can't even get our computer to work. God help us. These things are coming, my friends. They're coming. I want to talk a little bit more with you about light and darkness. Isn't it interesting that this is the very first passage in the Bible? It's about light and darkness. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Question, what came first? Mm -hmm. Which one? Which won the battle? The darkness or the light? Light. What happened to the darkness when light came? It disappeared. It vanished. Light always defeats darkness. Something else I like here. In the midst of the darkness, who was moving? I like that. I can look out and say, Oh God, look at all the darkness coming in Maryland. Look at all the darkness coming across the U.S. Look at all the darkness in Europe. Look at the darkness in the Middle East. We can talk and talk and talk about the darkness, or we can begin to understand the Spirit of God is moving in the midst of the darkness, getting ready for something to happen. When the Word of the Lord comes forth, let there be light, there is light. And I'll give you some homework. If you really want to dig into the Word, go back to 2 Corinthians 4, where we read earlier, verses 3 and 4, about the God of this world blinding their minds so they can't see the light of the Gospel. Read two more verses down, and you'll see Paul quotes this verse. But he's not talking about creation. He's talking about the new creation that takes place in a sinner's life when the light of the Gospel enters into their heart. That light dispels the darkness. He says, God who commands light to shine into the darkness has shined into our hearts. God wants to shine through the gospel into the darkness. But look at the next part. God saw that the darkness was cool. Right? Darkness is cool, right? No. God saw that the light was good. Now, I'm not a real smart man, but a lot of times when I read the Word of God, I like to flip things around a little bit to try to get more meaning. If light is good, can anybody guess what darkness is? It's bad. It's bad. That's right. God saw that the light was good, and this is very, very profound, God separated the light from the darkness. He didn't want them to get mixed up. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The word separated literally means distinguished, or he made a distinction between the light and the darkness. God did not want all this blurring together into some gray mess. Light is called day, Darkness is called night. Okay? By the way, we usually calculate our days backwards. Morning and night, right? Makes up a day. Did you notice how God does it? There was evening and then morning. How do days in God's mind end? They end in light. They start in darkness and they end in light. This world may be getting darker and darker, but it's going to end in glorious, brilliant, radiant light from our God. Now, light is good. God separated the light. He made a distinction 
between the two, even calling them different names. Notice what our modern culture is doing. They're calling good evil, and evil good. They're calling light darkness, and darkness light. They're getting it all confused. Prophet Isaiah said, woe to those who do that. Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, and put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Isn't it interesting how we've come up with all these clever words for sin to make them sound more attractive? God calls homosexuality perversion. Society calls it gay. All of the homosexuals that I've known and tried to help, and there have been many over the years, they were anything but gay. They were not happy people, very troubled people, people that I really felt great compassion for because of the wounds and the hurts and all of the things that had happened in their lives. They're not gay. It's a big lie from the devil. And we call the putting to death of a baby choice. It's a woman's choice. Oh, so you're telling me if I don't like my wife, I've got a choice? I can kill her? Huh? That's how bizarre that whole line of thinking is. Oh, I don't like this baby in my womb. I I have a choice. I can kill him or her. It's a him or a her, not an it. It's a living, breathing, heart-beating baby that is being put to death. And yet we sugarcoat all the terms. We call light darkness and darkness light. We call evil good and we call good evil. You notice now the new trend in this recent election that's going to be happening more and more. Marijuana. Legalized. Fantastic. They, they showed one kid who had, you know, obviously voted for this. He looked like he had had a pretty good dose already when they were interviewing. He was like, this is cool, man. I can go out and get stoned all the time now. Yeah, yeah. Society says it's legal. Society says a lot of things are legal. I don't care what society calls good. If God says it's bad, it's bad. God separates light and darkness, and he separates the sons of the day from the sons of the night. One thing we are going to see more and more now, there's not going to be any gray area in the church. Either you're on fire for God, or you're going all the way back the other way. There's going to be a clear line drawn. Listen to what Paul says. You brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light. I like that. Sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. They can legalize cocaine if they want. They can legalize heroin if they want. They can legalize murder if they want. I don't care. I do not belong to that. I belong to the light because I'm a son of the day. And I have chosen with my life, I want to live in the light, walk in the light, and be a child of the light. He says, so then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Two groups. Those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate 
and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a fascinating scripture, and it's just one more way that God shows what I'm trying to talk to you about. Light is going to be growing and increasing, and so is darkness. These two groups are growing alongside each other. Listen to what it says. 